Well, God is good. And all the time, I'm going to say one more time, God is good. And all the time, you know, God is good all the time. You know, it never gets old, and we always got to remember that, that even at, at our highest mountain, at our lowest valley, God remains good. You know, when I'm struggling, when I'm happy, God remains good. You know, we need God. We need God's grace. We need his goodness to us. We need him just as desperately when we are on the mountaintop as we do when we are in our lowest valley. Amen. And today he's good and he means to do us good. I want us to go to the word of God this morning. And we're going to read out of the book of Acts, Acts, the book of Acts. And chapter 16 is what we're going to read. Um, I want to say it's good to be home. It was an exciting vacation for us. It was kind of one of those times, it's like, oh, do we postpone this? Do we fit it in another time? But after about three days into it, it was like, we're glad. We pushed through and we went, you know. And it was fun. You know, can't you tell the nice tan and all that? It was just wonderful. Yeah. But uh, we had a great time. And uh, we didn't want to come back, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, um, um, we, we, we missed you all. Uh, we, we were at two different churches. Last week, it wasn't actually vacation. We drove to New Orleans, and we were with Pastor uh, Michael and Linda Green uh, at uh, LifeGate Church there. And it was amazing to be with them, and we love them, and we'll probably see them here this year. They're wonderful friends, and God is moving even in the city of New Orleans. You know, the same Jesus we worship this morning, the same Jesus they worship there. And you feel the same presence, and it's just such a joy to be in the house of the Lord and to be back home. Um, uh, <clears throat> as we go into the scripture, we're going to continue on our series, the Go series. Now, there are a lot of things that are hard to remember. Well, some of you are still young. I just realized that I'm not as sharp as I used to be. I forget a lot. And that's why this message series is just simple. What is it? Two letters. Can we remember that? Okay, the title this morning is Go Home. Look at the person next to you and say, Go Home. Oh, look at the other person and say, Go Home. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, wow. We should send Pastor Saul on vacation more often. We'll go home. We haven't even started. That's good. No, it's not that kind of go home. Uh, I'm not sending you home. Not, not, not yet. Just wait a little bit. You've got to uh, listen to this painfully maybe. But, uh, but this morning, I want us to read a couple of passages. Uh, actually, a story in the Bible. And it's going to be a long story. Um, you know, every once in a while, it's okay to le- read a long passage at church. I'm waiting for you to catch up and agree with me. Every once in a while, it's okay to read a long passage. You know, I thought I would tell the story and uh, maybe narrate it or what. You know, I'm thinking, well, why don't we just go in and read it? Because there are two stories connected to each other that I, I want us to share this morning. Acts chapter 9, just to set you up before, where we pick, we'll pick up the story on chapter, uh, verse 13. But before we get here, this is Paul accounting for Paul's missionary journey. Paul, if you recall, and even in this series, we talked about his conversion. The Saul of Tarsus, the guy that was uh, so uh, passionate about um, uh, destroying this movement in Jerusalem, which was the Christian movement, that he thought it was a cult, it was a weird thing going on. You know, I can't get things right. You know, I need to be around for a little longer. You know, but... uh, he is passionate. He wants to destroy this movement. He thinks it's blasphemous. He thinks these guys are going crazy. And, uh, and he meets Jesus in Acts chapter 9. And his life gets transformed. And the Bible says that immediately, Paul, after he got converted to Christianity, he begins to proclaim in his world that Jesus was the Messiah. And he starts preaching. And he goes to different places, convincing people through the Old Testament scriptures that Christ indeed was the Messiah. So Paul becomes, who was the biggest persecutor of the church, turns around and becomes the biggest preacher of the church. And at chapter 16, where we're going to read today, this was second uh, of of three missionary journeys that Paul took, okay, to advance the gospel. And in this case, he had gone to a city of Philippi which was in in Europe. And it was really amazing up to this point. What had happened to Paul was 
they were actually set out, him and Luke and, uh, and, uh, and Timothy were set out to go to Asia. And somehow, way, God blocked the ways and they got redirected to Europe. And in the city of Philippi, this is the story where we pick up. Verse 13, they, okay, I, I ha- you can follow along if you don't have your Bible, but I'm going to read from mine. But as, oh, hang on, that's, that's a little too, maybe I, I think I need another vacation. How many might agree with that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Verse, verse 13. Okay. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city, and, uh, uh, the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to our, the women who met there. Now, there was a certain woman named Lydia who heard us. She was a seller of purple for the city of Thyatira. Who worship God. The Lord opened our heart to hear the things spoken by Paul. And when she and the household were baptized, she begged us, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So they persuaded us. She persuaded us. Now Lydia was a wealthy woman. She was a businesswoman, very busy in her life, as you could tell. And she moved between two two cities doing her business. And uh, obviously a very successful woman because if you look through the scripture, she had two houses. She had one in Philippi and she had one in another city. And uh, and she worshipped God. She feared God. And uh, but but she had not yet understood the story of salvation. But Paul now talking to them, to her, her heart was open towards the word of God and she gets saved. And guess what? Not only her, her entire household gets saved along with her. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, this man as servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Boy, even the demons recognized what Paul was preaching. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed. <laughs> you think, she's proclaiming the gospel for Paul here. I think she was trying to help. But Paul got really annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And uh, he came out that very hour. Guess what? Now, Paul didn't realize what he was doing. Okay. Special interest. But when the master saw that their hope of profit was gone, she seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. You know, the Bible always says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Many times when things really bad, you could trace them back to money. People will be cool until you kind of ruffle their way touching money. And that's why God, I think, believes that we need to be free as believers from being attached so much to money. And one of the best ways to actually be free is actually being generous. Open hands, open hands. They come and they go. You are a vessel, a, a, a means of the blessing coming in you and through you. But this guy's got really ticked off because not that the slave girl was, de- uh, was delivered from this oppressive spirit that, uh, uh, that, uh, that was oppressing her life, that she is now free and she can be herself once again. They're only concerned about, oh, now we lost some money. So what they did, but when, uh, you know, and they, they brought them to the magistrate, verse 20, and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitudes rose up together again against them, and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such charge, a charge, such a command, he put them into the inner prisons and fastened their feet feet in stock. You know, I want to pause there a second. Sometimes you can be doing the right thing (laughs) at the right time, 
being faithful, and you wind up in jail. You wind up in a bad place. Have you ever been in a place like that where you try to do good? You try to step up and be the big man, and then it ends up crumbling on you? How many can relate? Paul ends up in a big mess. He's so passionate about preaching the gospel, so excited. And here, he uses the authority that he has as a believer. He sets a woman free. He was annoyed, but he did set the woman free. And then he winds up in jail. Look at what Paul and Silas did. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of this prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's chain came loose. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep, and seeing that the prison doors were open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for lights and ran, and ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your household will be saved. Can we read that one together? Believe. Okay, one more time. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I pray today that the word of the Lord will speak to our hearts, liberate us, enrich us. Let us leave this place better than we came in, closer to you than we were this morning, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I tell you... <clears throat> I read the whole passage, you know, I could have told the story, but I thought maybe it's good to read it. And you can read the whole story yourself, I know. But uh, what was interesting is that the word household, you see that Lydia gets the word of God. She gets saved, and the Bible says that she got saved, her and her household. They all got baptized. Then uh, this jailer, who we don't even know his name, is not recorded there. He gets to experience firsthand the power of God thinking that Paul and all the prisoners had escaped. You know, there was a window of opportunity. That was a brutal time. You know, even look at the Roman Empire in that time. You know, being in prison was really awful. It was a very oppressive uh, government system. We have it good, people. We have it good. Just about when you're about to complain about what things are like for us today. Just remember, we live in better times. We live in much better times. And they had a window of opportunity to escape. And I think that th the fact that all those guys were still there. And all the miracle that had just happened, the miracle that had just occurred, this jailer knew <laughs> he needed. That it was a living God. I needed something in my life. He didn't know about salvation, but he asked about salvation. He didn't know, like, well, what to be saved is. But he goes, what must I do to be saved? The thing that I want to point out on those two stories is this. One, in, on both occasions, both salvation was not only for the person that came. It really tells us uh, uh, that, that God's desire is that we and our household will be saved. And you know what the scripture says? If we pray anything according to his will... He will hear us. I know that it is God's will that my household will be saved. So I can confidently pray for all of my household to come to the Lord. And I will know that I'm praying the will of God. When I was a young man, I think 18 years old, and I, I'm still a young man. But when I was 18, let me correct that. Let me rephrase that. When I was 18, I remember just praying and asking God for my family. And you know, you all know Pastor Paul Stan who went to the Lord a couple of years ago. He prophesied in my life. He doesn't even know this. And he prophesied to, over my life and says, every one of your family will come to the Lord. 
I said, some will come easy and some will come hard, but they will all come. Do not be discouraged about praying for them. And you know, I held on to that and I saw all of my family come to the Lord. And some came easy and some came hard. But they all came to the Lord. And you have people in your family that will come easy and some in your family that will come hard. For Lydia and for this jailer, I don't know, should we give him a name? Dominic or someone, you know? For this jailer, you know, um, uh, he, his family came easy, it seems like. Now, when you look at the word used there, the household word there, it's not household as we know it now. You know, when you get the U.S. survey about where, what's your income in your household and how many live in your household, this is different than what, if the word there is oikos. Sound funny, it is Greek. Yeah, did sound like Greek, it is Greek. It means oikos. And what it constituted, the way they lived in those days, they live in sort of communities. And every oikos or every household has a head, which mo- most, most of the time was um, the oldest male. And they live in a community which included the immediate family, the husband, the wife, the kids. They had slaves and servants and people that walk around. And they were all considered part of the same oikos or household. And so when we take that scripture right now and we think of household, we don't think of our family. But those are the people where they are dead. their whole economy was actually within that oikos and that household. It was an agricultural economy. So the people that worked the farm and the, so the whole family actually worked together and all that lived in the household. So I have a household probably bigger than any other households in the house. But um, uh, if we were to translate in modern times, we don't all work at home. We don't all live in a small community. Our whole economy isn't concentrated within the family where the people you see every day. When you think about it, the way to think about it in modern times is this. Think about the people that you see every day or every week. People that you don't need an appointment to actually get an audience with. That was your oikos. That's what the meaning of the scripture is. That you believe in the Lord Jesus and you and your household is the people in your sphere of influence. And God's desire is that we grow, our households, households come to him. Wouldn't it be sad to go to heaven one day and think, oh my goodness, I wish I'd just said something. You know, they would have been upset with me, maybe. Maybe I just built it up in my head. Maybe it was my approach. I don't want that guilt. But I want to see everybody that I've ever come into my life, every person that I've ever walked with, every person that I care for, every person that, uh, I, 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 that had an impact in my life, one way or the other. Um, I want to see them in the kingdom of God. I want to see them in heaven. I want to live forever with them. I, you know, this life is short. It can change in a moment's life, in a moment's time. We have no guarantees for anything. But... We do know this, that when we trust in the Lord, when we put our faith in him, not only that he blesses in this life, but he also uh, has eternal life for us, which is actually more important than the blessings of this life. So I, there are a few things we can learn from this, but I want to just share three thoughts with us this morning concerning um, uh, these passages. Number one, which I've already said it, is this. The promise of the Lord is for you and your oikos. It is for you and your family. Lydia was the first convert of Paul in the continent of Europe. To think of the history of Christianity. You know, sometimes you don't really look at what our history is. Karl Marx once said, take away the heritage of the people and they are easily persuaded. We need to know our roots here a little bit. And when I look at uh, Lydia, Paul's plan and, and he, with his group, their plan was not to go to Europe. They had set out for Asia Minor and twice on their way, God turned, stopped them. And they realized, oh, he says, the spirit of Jesus stopped us. Then they kept going. And then Paul has a dream of a guy calling out to him in Greece. 
And from that one dream, he tells his group, hey, I think the Lord is telling us to go to Greece. Now, how many times do you have a dream in the night and think, well, I think the Lord is saying change of direction here. And they set out to Greece. And he is trying, he was always talking to people. He was an educated man. He would debate with people. But he gets to a place where he finds this woman. Okay, mothers, men, you think you're good. But really women play a big role in ushering all us to the Lord. How many would say grandma, mom? Lydia listens to these guys. And her heart was open to the word of God. And she brings the entire household to the Lord. They all get baptized and a new beginning come. And history was changed right there. I don't think they even had a clue what that meant. They didn't have an idea what that meant for the history of the world. That that conversation with that lady there named Lydia would usher in where the gospel would spread. In fact, the first house, the first church there was in Philippi. And when you read the book of Philippines, is a letter that Paul writes 10 years after that, when he's in prison to the church. Paul loved this church of Philippines. He loved the church, the Philippian church better, probably better than any other church. It became one of the best missionary sending churches. In fact, when <coughs> the gospels around Jerusalem and the Middle East at first, this church became a missionary sending church. And in Philippians chapter, in, in, if you read the book of Philipp Philippians, you see how awesome it is. It's incredible. In fact, we should do a series on that one day. Because this book was written by a man in prison for having not done anything than just tried to convince people of a message of, uh, uh, that he believed in. He wasn't killing anybody. He wasn't causing, he was preaching love. He was preaching mercy. He was preaching forgiveness. Ended up in prison. Philippians, is, I call it the book of rejoicing. Because it talks about rejoicing so many times. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, oh, you know, I, everything is about rejoicing. And the blessings that are, and the promises that are indebted in that book. Because of that one church. You know where the church started? At Lydia's house. And it was that initiation that she had. Because, well... If you guys really believe that God has truly come into my life, that I'm really, really a believer, why don't you stay at my house today? Guess what? She was just hungry for the word. She wanted to eat it out. She wanted more uh, of God in her life. And which brings me to the next point. I'll tell you, I'll do good. The word of God is to be shared in community. It is only in our Western culture that we look at the word of God as individuals. Not in the Middle East where most of the Bible was written. They looked at it as community. Not in Africa where I was born and raised. It's community. Not in South America where I've been. It's community. Most of the world, they look at scripture as community. It was never intended to be a thing that I, me and God, no more. I love God. I hate his people. It's only in America that you'll hear, or in the Western culture, people say, well, if I have Jesus, and I read my Bible, and I pray, I don't need to go to church. I don't need nobody. I can do it on my own. Just me. It's only in our culture. It was designed, and still, and it's most effective when it's shared in community. The word of God is the bread of life. When Jesus taught us to pray, he says, give us this day our daily bread. wasn't so much about provision and what we need, even though it included that. It really included the richness of the word of God, that we eat and live on the word of God. It says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is the word of life. This is the food. And I tell you, the most enjoyable food, you can have the best sushi in the world, but if eating it alone is a little boring. What makes food good is when you eat it with community, when you eat it with family, when you eat it with friends, when you have fun with it, it makes food much more enjoyable. 
You could be having salary watching football. But because you're in community, salary will be sound tasting good. Are you with me? That's how the word of God was designed. I tell you, you will grow. That's why we emphasize on small groups. It's not because we're trying to add program after program after program in the church. Absolutely wrong. That's why we don't push it, but we encourage it greatly. Why? You grow so much in community. When you share the word of God together, Lydia says to them, hey, if you really truly believe that I'm a believer and I'm part of the house of God, stay at my house. She insisted and she said, they said, she persuaded us to come and stay. And they stayed there for a few days before they moved on. Guess what? They shared the word. I always love it when people tell me, well, I don't care for the Old Testament. That's irrelevant. It's the New Testament. You know, these guys at this point didn't have the New Testament. What scriptures were they (laughs) using? The Old Testament. Some of the guys there were not Jews. There were Jewish communities there, but it was not a Jewish nation. So they were converts into the Judaism at first. But when Christianity came, there was always a debate for people that were coming in that were Gentiles. And there was a debate. Even Peter had a hard time accepting in non-Jewish people into the Christian faith. And so do they have to keep all the rules that we have? And they realized that there are some rules that they really did not have to keep. They were just traditions for Jewish people. And then when you understand the, the, the new and the old and how they work together, there's freedom. And they were preaching Christ. Listen, they were talking about Christ. This is about Christianity. None of the book of the New Testament were in print. But they shared the word. And Lydia's household was saved. The jailer did the same thing. How would you suppose that he brought all his household to the jail? No, he took the guys to his home. I'm standing here with you that was impacted with the word of God being shared in community. I was 16 years old in Nairobi, Kenya. Young man growing up, really worried about my life and my future. Things were not going good in my family at that time. And, uh, and I can tell the story over and over. And we were playing basketball. And a friend of mine, Jeff, because, oh man, I got to wrap things up. And he goes, I, I, I need to go to a cell group. And I'm thinking, what's a cell meeting? I had no idea. I thought it, it sounded, I'd never had anything like that. And I thought, this is weird. So I started kind of driving. It's like, what is this about? You know? And they, they seemed to know, a couple guys seemed to know what this was about. And I was like, can I come? You know, I'm thinking, that sounds cool. A cell, is it like a jail kind of thing? Is it, I, you know, I'm starting to make up in my head what it was. And so they said, yeah, 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 you can, you come along. And so I went to this small group, this cell group. And it really, it was just a prayer and Bible study group in the neighborhood. And it was led by a medical doctor. His name was Tom Bosiri, Dr. Bosiri. And I sat down there and I'm thinking, oop, I got tricked into this almost, you know. I, I was thinking it'd be something else. And, uh, and, and I sat down. But what, what, what impressed me, though, is uh, how positive it was. And just how real and how not fake they were. Now, if you're a Christian, you know Christians can be fake. Christians can be plastic. But these guys were not. It was just authentic. They weren't hiding who they were, but they were just taking shit. And I was like, well, I'll come next week. And I kept going on and on and on. And eventually I'd come to church and I would give my heart to the Lord. But he first came because there was a community of people that were sharing the word. They never judged me. They never even preached at me. They just went on and included me with their, what, what, what is the Lord saying to you on that? You know, you can hear preaching after preaching from church, which is good sometimes if someone else is preaching. But the richness of the word comes in community. When a brother talks, he goes, son, I'm going to pick on you. You know, they say, you know, what, what is the Lord doing in your life? Concerning the word. Okay? And so we start talking real. You know, uh, let me tell you, my week was crazy. That boss being open, and allowing the word of the Lord to work in your life. That really is community. That's why we emphasize 
small groups again. I'm going to say it again. It's not because we want a program. I don't need any program, believe me. I'm probably busier than most of you. And I mean it. But I know the value of Christian community. I know the values of when two or three walk together. I know the value of when we come together in prayer. The Bible says when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am right in the midst of them. Whatsoever thing they pray for will be done in heaven. Whatsoever thing they agree on us shall be done in heaven. There's, an advi- there's, a, there's a blessing that's connected when we join our hands together and we pray sincerely to one another. We can pray in masses of the church, a big community. But we come here to celebrate. We come here to just receive the word. But really where life is lived is the everyday life. Is walking together. Is when people know, hey, I know what's going on with you at work, but I'm praying for you. I know you're waiting for that promotion. They keep passing you by, but you know what? God is faithful. You keep holding on. You know, like Paul, who thought he's going in to just do a good thing. He wanted to preach the gospel. One's up in prison for delivering a person. Sometimes those things happen to us, which leads me to point three. Bumps in the road are for your good and for his glory. Paul winds up in prison, a very unfortunate thing. But if he had not gone to prison, the jailer would have never had the weakness. Now you not only have one household, now you have two households. I mean not two individuals, two households, which could have been a bunch of different families that lived in one community. And you see the history of Christianity And how significant Europe became in spreading Christianity. Most of you in Lincoln or Caucasian or all European descent. Your channel of the gospel was through Europe. Growing up in Africa, the English brought the gospel to my country. Another European. Paul speaking to Lydia and the jailer had no idea that through his faithfulness, You just never know who you're talking to and what their life and those that would come after them will entail. Another story. I remember, so as I I told you, as I came to the Lord, I got really on fire for Jesus. I didn't go halfway. I didn't go a little toe. I didn't go, you know, one step. I, 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 I dove right into the deep end and I found Jesus to be awesome. And the deeper you go, the better he is. You know, like food, when you eat good food that you've been craving. We were in New Orleans. We drove from New from Florida to New Orleans this last week. And boy, I love southern food. And I was thinking about the food. I'm like, this drive is worth it. <laughs> yeah, the kids are crying. They're back. Ah, yes, it's worth it. I remember the last day I'm thinking, boy, I gotta get my last, <laughs> my last taste of seafood here, you know. But you know, and I did one spoon to It wasn't all that good. And I was like, I tell Sarah, you know, I didn't think I thought this was gonna be great, but it doesn't taste as great as I remember it. I did, I did a little too much. That's the case with most everything in the world. You get more of it, it gets worse, and sometimes even destroyed, discarded. But not with Jesus. Not with God. The deeper you get in him, the more discovery. He's mysterious, but awesome. The more you find him, the more you know him, the more, the greater he is. You learn to worship him, to get in his presence. The deeper in, the more, the sweeter, the most wonderful, awesome he becomes to you. You cannot get enough of him. I dare you from where you are today to take the next step and go deeper. And I went deeper with the Lord. And God absolutely radically changed my life. All my, my friends 
um, uh, and I started losing a bunch of friends because we just didn't have the same interest. But I was gaining some on the other side that were more positive and encouraging in my life. And I remember one time I was starting, you know, I, uh, from the group, I'm telling you, I ended up leading a group. And before I was leading a group, I was leading many groups. I was never, never thought, I'm standing here as a pastor. It was never my intention, never my plan. I never set out to be a pastor. And never set out to be a pastor in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> it was not even a thought I ever had. I went from leading groups. And, 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 um, and so every once in a while I'd have someone ask me to, to go speak. And so there's this group of military guys that were believers. And they met every Friday, or I don't, every Friday they met for about lunchtime, and they'll come, just have a praise and worship. They'll, someone will share the word, and they'll pray and go back to work. One of my friends invited me to come and speak to this group. Pause that story for a second, because I'm getting ahead of myself. Back, back this, when I was leading groups, there's this family that came to the Lord. It was three sisters. Um, uh, that they, they were a Catholic family. And they all came to the Lord. They both got saved. And these kids loved to party and all that. All of a sudden, Jesus just turned their lives around. They had no interest in that. Uh, they were just so hungry for God. And we're doing groups. And uh, one time, um, uh, we had group at their house. And um, I didn't realize this. But their mother hated me. If she could, she would kill me. But she knew my parents, and she had respect for my parents, so she withheld her gun. The reason why their local priests had denied them communion, because the kids were going to a different church. And my only saving grace was that she knew my parents, and the oldest brother, who was like 10 years older than me, also got saved. And the parents respected the older brother, was very res responsible. So because the brother was also in it, the older brother, it kind of sheltered me from being killed. And we were having a small group at their house. But what she did, she sent an uncle to come and check out what this thing is about. And the uncle sat in the room, stone-faced. Just watch, watch this. And so I'm leading the discussion. We're reading the scripture. And I always like had everybody around the room talk. I say, hey. You know, what is this saying to you? You know, and everybody will say whatever the, the word is speaking to them. And I didn't pass him. I, I included him because he was in the room. And he looked at me, just stared at me like that. And I could take you saying, hey, kid, leave me alone. I don't want to talk. Cool. I respect that. But this guy just stared at me. Man, and he was awful, quiet. I said, well, and then I'll pass him and go move on. But then... The bold me, you know, sometimes we get older and we get all nervous about things. And when you're youth, you, you just need to, after we, I prayed and always at the group, I always give an opportunity for whoever wants to, to receive Christ. And I knew he wasn't saved just by the way he didn't participate. And I asked him, sir, would you like to ask Jesus into your life? You know, he can forgive your sins. He can, uh, you, you don't have to be, you know, so I'm telling him the plan of salvation. He loves you. And guess what? Same stare. I pause a little longer, just never said a word. And I tell you, you could drop a pin and you'll hear it resounding. And the guy never said a word. And then I prayed and we got, we got our group done and we left. Fast forward, this was about a year or two later at the military group. They asked me to come and speak. I'm speaking to a group of about 30 military guys, kid maybe 19 years old. And... Uh, I look in the back, the ankle. He had a bigger Bible than mine. <laughs> He's raising his hands and worshiping Jesus. I'm thinking, what? I talk to the guy, and he tells me, yeah, we came to the Lord. You know, it wasn't me even leading him, but maybe a seed was planted then. He found a church, him and his wife. He says, my wife and I have been serving the Lord for two years. It's so exciting to know Jesus. Da, 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 da. He's telling me this wonderful testimony. I'm thinking, huh? You just never know 
the seeds that you're planting. Because Paul said it this way, one plants a seed, one waters, but God brings the increase. Our job is just to be responsible, be generous in sharing the word of God. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not the terrible, the horrifying, the crazy news of Jesus. No, it is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful. Share it with generosity. Plant. Let God plant water, whatever your job might be. Don't cease doing it. But God brings the increase. Fourteen years later, a young man comes to our church comes from Seattle, Washington, and he says, hey, my pastor sent me. Said, yes, should look out for you in Lincoln because he was moving to go to school here. Who's your pastor? The uncle. <laughs> I tell you, you never know what God's doing. You never know. And we get ashamed we get afraid. We let things stop us. We never know. I talk to him on the phone. I say, hey, I met uh, the couple from your church. It's wonderful. In Seattle, Washington. I'm talking, this was 15 years ago. Well, more than that. It was almost, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am getting you. I am <laughs> back when I was young. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, isn't God in Nairobi, Kenya, in East Africa? Years later, he's, he goes, yeah, I went to Bible school. I started a church. I'm in Seattle, Washington, living with my family. I'm in the ministry. That was the uncle that came to check me out and intimidate the living daylights out of me. So I and, and God touched him and he's using him in the ministry today. Community. The power of community. Lydia had an impact. I know she's in heaven. And she's looking back and thinking, oh, thank God. Thank God. I said yes to the Lord. Thank God I brought my household to the Lord. Ashes, I, they have a book for you. I'm going to give you something before we, go, before we worship here. Could you help me? I'll pass it around as quickly as possible. What, 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 what's happening um, um, here? We have a community in Lincoln. We have an oikos. Everybody's got an oikos. Look at Pastor next to you and say, you got an oikos. You are connected to somebody, some way, one way or the other. You are connected to someone and people. There are people in your life. And the people in your life, whether they are co-workers, your family, a combination of both neighbors, people that you see on a weekly or even a daily basis, those are the people in your life. Our life on earth is very short. I want to see those people in heaven with me. There are some people that have already gone that I thought they went too soon. We need them here. But to be separated for eternity, it's not worth it. Come on now. To continue to share. We grow through each other. We grow through sharing the word of God in community, in fellowship with one another. And it's not necessarily the good preaching and the teaching. And that has its part. Most of the time, it's the community. Can I get one of those two? Oh, thank you, Sue. <coughs> the book you have in your hand, it's a tool. Say a tool. It's a tool to help us together to eat the word of God and to eat it as community. The way it's designed is for two or three, maybe four people, where the scriptures you look at, you see what it's saying, you talk to each other about it, and what it's speaking and saying to you. It's got three on part. It's called the Go Book. Come on, you can remember them. Three and three, basically just meaning three weeks, three sections in three weeks. Okay, the goal of the book is to actually go through it in three weeks. Each section has two lessons, and you do two lessons a week. And the idea is you take your book, you go read it on your own. You fill out the scriptures and what the questions are on your own. Then you come together and say, hey, um, um, just because of where you're sitting, Sonny, I'm going to pick on you again. Come on, Sonny, come on here. 
So n- next, uh, next week, nobody will see it on there. <laughs> so Sonny read this. He wrote his own notes. I read it. I read it. I wrote my own notes. We come together, maybe under a cup of coffee, double shot espresso, maybe a good cappuccino. Yes. And so let's talk about it. That's community. I don't think that Paul and Lydia and those guys, uh, Timothy and Luke, as they were going, I don't think Paul stood at Lydia's house and says, Hey, Lydia, hear ye the word of the Lord. No, I think they just talked about the word of God. And when we open the word of God, it's richness. It's life. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may sin not against thee. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We get the word of God in. When you put the word of God in, it gives strength to your bones. It gives life to your flesh. It's everything you need. You, God will speak to, to, to your life and the situations in your life through his word. The riches of one when we share in communion. Here's my challenge today to you. That's why you have your own copy. You need to take this book and get somebody in your oikos. Not the whole Lincoln community. Because if I say that, nothing will get done. If you have to get an appointment with that person, they're not in your oikos. Okay? It could be like, hey, I'm doing this study. Why don't we do it at lunchtime? Just go through this little book together. Do it with two, one, two, three people. Get a partner. Three in three. How many are taking up the challenge already? Every single person in this room can do it. You can do it for yourself and for somebody else. I want to just tell you one about chapter one. It talks about this assurance and salvation. I'm going to end. Sometimes when people go through that, they find out they need more. They need to be saved. They realize they didn't really do this. And they'll ask, oh boy, what, like the jailer, what must I do to be saved? I'm going to just tell you three things that are easier we do with the kids. It's like easy as A, B, C. Jackie's smiling because we were talking about that a few weeks ago. A, B, C. You got to just admit that you are a sinner. You know, some people don't like that. Oh, don't call me a sinner. How dare you judge me a sinner and, uh, and, 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 and you are not perfect. They're admitting it in the words, but they don't want to admit it. They're saying, oh, you're not perfect too. I was like, no, I'm not perfect. I know that. I know that I'm a sinner. And that's why I need Christ. I know that. B, believe. John 10, 10. Believe. You got to believe in the Lord Jesus. Because it's with the heart that one believes. It's with the mouth. Confession is made, which is number three. You've got to confess. Admit, believe, confess. Admit, believe, confess. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is the heart that one believes unto righteousness. It is with the mouth. Confession is made to salvation. If you can pray, just say ABC. Salvation has come. You can lead someone to the Lord anywhere. It doesn't have to be in church. Or lead yourself to the Lord. Amen. Let's stand up. How many are going to take up the challenge? The next three weeks, you're going to share with your oikos. You're going to eat together the word. Come on. How many? You have some commitments here. All right. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what the Lord's doing. We want to hear. We want to hear, you know, if God speaks to you in a meaningful way. Through this, you know, I want you, I want to hear that. I want to, we want to hear the stories of what God's doing. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege of coming into your presence. We thank you, Lord, that when we gather as your people, that here you are with us. Thank you that here in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Here in your presence, there is healing. Here in your presence, there is freedom. I pray for every life that needs you today. I pray for us. I ask, Lord, that you will strengthen us. In your word, help us to be a a greater community of faith, that we may see our city of Lincoln 
be called the city of our God. We thank you and we honor you. And continue to pray right now. With every eyes closed, every head bowed in the presence of the Lord. I have my eyes open, so just disclaimer. If you're here this morning and you do not have Jesus in your heart. He's not in your life. Maybe you know, you've known him. Maybe you've served him before. But right now, you're not walking with him. But you're saying, you know what, Lord? I want you in my life. I want you into my heart today. I want you to raise your hand where you are. I'm looking. Thank you. I'm looking. Thank you. I'm going to pray a special prayer for you right now before we continue here. Anybody else? You say, Jesus, I want you into my life. I want to be saved. I want to start. I want to commit my life to you today. Today is your day. He's waiting for you. He loves you. Anybody else? Give you one moment. Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? not an accident that you're here today. God wants to give you a new beginning today. A new beginning in your life. A new beginning. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Thank you. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. I'm going to ask you all to join me and pray with this that raise your hand today. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus I come to you today I come to you today just as I am just as I am I know that I am a sinner I know that I am a sinner I admit that I'm a sinner I admit that I am a sinner but I believe but I believe you died on the cross for me you died on the cross for me I accept I accept your gift of salvation your gift of salvation forgive me of my sins forgive me of my sins fill me with your holy spirit fill me with your holy spirit I commit my life to you today I commit my life to you today in Jesus name in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> you know, if you pray sincerely, God, it's been recorded in heaven. God answers every sincere prayer. Every heart that comes to him, he never rejects. We're going to take a few moments as the worship team will lead us in a time of worship. I want to encourage you to come to the altars that are open for prayer. These guys standing here are here to pray for you. If you need anything, or the altars are open for your own prayer. We'll sing a few songs, worship the Lord. I'll come back and close the service. Thank you, Lord. Take my heart, Lord, will you take my heart?